0: Welcome to the Back and Down Podcast. This is your host, Coach Johnson. In this episode, we're going to be talking about each game from the Sunday slate in the NBA. In the first game of the day, we had the Boston Celtics taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. The foul shooting, along with a long period of time of being in a shooting slump for Boston, really allowed the 76ers to hang around in the later minutes of the first quarter. Philadelphia recorded 19 free throw attempts in the first quarter. That is a lot of free throw attempts for one quarter. Most of that is usually maybe three quarters, but not just one. It just shows how aggressive that Philadelphia was at getting into the paint as well as giving the ball bead to get him going. In this game, the two teams really went back and forth like a tennis match and traded one possession leads in a punch-counterpunch game for most of the first quarter. There were some mishaps, miscues on both sides preventing either from taking a bigger lead in this game. While many Celtics seem to go through a struggle on the offensive side of the court, You know, particularly in their half-court offense, Kimba Walker was the exact opposite. He just kept going, kept firing away, and kept knocking down shots. kind of seems that he is finally healthy as he led the way with 32 points. The game really remained close throughout the third quarter, and the Sixers continued to answer every big play with one of their own. You know, a major factor in this was the resilience because of their improved play. After hitting a pair of mid-range jump shots before connecting on a deep three from well beyond the three-point arc at the end of the third quarter, the tide turned in Boston's favor. Tatum continues to impress. He rode a big second-half effort to a huge stat sheet with 28 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. Showcasing his versatility as a scorer and as a defender. Defense has been a struggle for the 76ers team, especially with the absence of Ben Simmons. You know, defense is supposed to move on a string. But this was just not the case for Philadelphia, just way too many times in this game to get the stops that they needed. Boston's defense was incredibly sharp which was important because their offense was not. You might have thought, watching this game, how is Boston getting so many easy layups? Well, that's because Daniel Tice and Ennis Kanter did a phenomenal job of rolling off the pick-and-roll actions then sealing off Horford and Bede, kind of like a screen, and that stopped them from being able to contest shots at the rim. Brad Stevens did a phenomenal job of sending double-teams at Embiid as well as scrambling on the perimeter which just made life difficult for Joel Embiid never got help until today throughout the series he averaged 30 points per game as well as 12 rebounds per game Tobias Harris finally got going a little bit shooting 7 of 12 from the field for 20 points you could tell that the lack of perimeter shooting really frustrated Joel Embiid and the lack of production from Philadelphia's bench supporting cast really did them in again. And now they will head into the off season after losing this game for being swept off the floor by Boston with a lot of questions regarding their roster. Two of the main questions that will be speculated around Philadelphia is going to be, is this the end of the Brett Brown era? Or is this the end of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons? In the second game of the day, and what was the most exciting game was the Clippers versus the Mavericks. Biggest question was, how is Paul George going to respond after struggling in the previous two games? Early in the game, he was looking to attack, and I really think that's crucial for him because once he sees a few go in, then I really think he'll be able to break out of the slump that he's in. You know, last game, the Clippers did a lot of switching on with Zubak on to Luka late in pick and roll to stay out of rotation. And the Clippers were doing it again early in this game. This was really only taking place if the guard could not recover to Luka and is beat on the screen. They really need to figure out what to do with Montrose Harrell when he is in the game. My suggestion would be to hard hedge with him and recover to the big, pushing the guard away from the basket, taking him away from being a scoring threat. Dallas was missing Porzingis. But, you know, this was game was able to play out in a different way. You had people in different spots when they were running certain sets, and you could just tell the chemistry was a little bit off early in the game. I really thought maturity was showing from Reggie Jackson as he was taken out of this lineup due to his poor sh- shot selection and Landry Shamet was inserted in his place. But Doc Rivers put trust in him in this game, and he responded with better shots that were falling. Boban continues a strong play with his offense and rebounding, also his ability to protect the rim. I think he should play each minute against Zubach. Those two should be in the game at the same time. And if Boban can get extra minutes when the Clippers have to go smaller, then that's a plus. The Mavericks really needed to hit the corner threes that they were getting in that first half as Michael Kidd- Gilchrist and Dorian Finney-Smith both missed some crucial three-pointers before the Clippers took their big lead. Because spacing is such a key for the Mavericks, but what is also probably more important is who is spaced where. You had Keebler and Michael Gilchrist on one side of the floor, but both of their men were shaded towards Keebler and left Michael Gilchrist open as he is the shooter that is less of a threat between the two. It was a well-balanced attack from the Clippers so far in the early parts of this game as the ball was moving well, touching multiple hands on a possession. As I like to say, the ball has energy when it moves and it keeps players engaged in the game. People can say that defense leads to offense, but once you touch the ball offensively, you see you get to make some plays, score a little bit. That energy from the offensive side of the ball really has an impact on the defensive side. You know, this is very important to the Clippers as they have multiple guys who need the ball to make things happen. Smaller lineups for the Clippers in this series have not been very effective. I like to see J.J. Berea finally get into the game. You know, he may be a liability on defense, but I think he can help an offensive side of the floor by knocking down shots and running the offense when Luca is off the floor. I don't know how many times teams need to see this before they get an idea of what's going to happen, but every time Lou Williams goes to his left, he's going to pull up for a jump shot. Every time he goes right, he's going to take it to the rim. Smart adjustment made by Doc Rivers to split the minutes of lou will and reggie jackson since the two together pre- present too many defensive issues there was a lot of ball screens for don Trent as the mavericks make morris and leonard chase him around as he works to get into the bank big production off the bench from trey burke once again looking like the lottery pick that was picked out of michigan One thing I cannot stand about Luka is the after play arguing with officials. If he can stop that and worry about getting back on defense, then he will take another step as a player. Dallas was really getting after it defensively as they continued to scramble and force the Clippers into tough contested shots. Once again, I need to talk about Trey Burke because he is doing a phenomenal job of putting Lou Will and Reggie Jackson in jail when Montrezl Harrell is dropping in ball screen coverage. There was a huge adjustment made by Dallas in doubling Kawhi, and the Clippers did not respond well to it. Sometimes it just doesn't seem that the Clippers know what is going on offensively, playing like an AAU team and missing shots, which, as I was talking about earlier, the energy that you get from offense transits, transitions to defense because they were running back deflated. You know, this is different than what was taking place in the first half. Late in this game, the Mavericks were just being more aggressive, physical, and flat-out tougher than the Clippers. You know, it seems like the screens that were getting set by Keebler and Boban allowed Doncic to come off each of those screens very clean without much congestion. You know, I do not understand why the Clippers are not blitzing him like teams do Damian Lillard to get the ball out of his hands or make things tough and not give him clean looks. Once Kawhi really locked in defensively, there was a few possessions where Luka could not get any clean looks. You know, this is a problem without Porzingis because everything runs through Luka while everyone else has to watch him dominate the ball. Kawhi looked to take over this game late, hitting a clutch shot as well as making a big-time play as a passer to Morris in the corner to knock down a three. But while he did make that play to Morris, it was also a breakdown from the Mavericks as Keebler helped in on the choir drive, which I don't think he should have done, and left him open in the corner to knock down that three. But none of that matters because Luka Doncic capped off his huge performance with the game-winning three at the buzzer, finishing with 43 points, 17 rebounds, and 13 assists to tie the series up. I will be back shortly after a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Now that we're back from the break, we're going to talk about the third game of the day, the least suspenseful and really just entertaining series so far in the playoffs, the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets, as the Raptors look to get the sweep against the Nets. Raptors really looking decisive on offense in the first quarter. You know, this is the Pascal Siakam that we're going to need to see against the Celtics. He wasn't wasting any time on his moves and was just super sharp offensively. As they have all series, the Raptors really looked confident against a Nets defense that continues to struggle, most of that due to the players that aren't with the team. Early on, Jacques Vaughn really tried to change things to help the Nets defensively, adjusting to a more switching scheme, but without having another Jared Allen on the floor. There just wasn't a whole lot for the Nets to do. A scary thing for the Raptors early in this game was that Van Vliet did have three fouls. So they had to play a long period of time without him, but their bench showed up in this game. You know, it wasn't a great defensive half for the Nets, but they got everything they wanted offensively. You know, both the Raptors starters and the bench had no problem breaking down the Nets' defense. They were able to get what they wanted off the dribble and they created shots for each other, most of them clean, open looks, and they were beating Brooklyn at their own pace. Brooklyn has tried to up the tempo and play at a high pace. A lot of, you know, open floor play, trying to get quick shots and transition. But to the Nets' credit, They kept the game close early because of the shooting scoring from Karis LeVert and Tyler Johnson. This kept them within striking distance in the first half. Karis LeVert ended up having a huge game, finishing with 35 points, but the Nets' supporting cast just didn't have enough in them to carry it throughout the game. You know, if you believe in the term offensive toughness, you get it. Defensive toughness, player toughness, but that's what you're getting from the Raptors in this game. As they built their big lead, and eventually, once they built their big lead, they kind of went on cruise cruise control on offense, but they were still able to get any look that they wanted. Serge Ibaka and Norman Powell combined for. 35 points in the first half, but that's only the beginning because the Raptors' bench ended up scoring 100 points. And the Raptors finished with 150 points in the game. Norman Powell was the prime example of the Raptors in this game. Or, you know, you can say he was the definition of Toronto as a whole because he was very confident on offense, he was getting to his spots and finishing with authority as they got prepared for their second round semifinals matchup versus Boston. It's going to be a very interesting series to see how Nick Nurse and Brad Stevens adjust to one to know the styles and the matchups between Siakam, Tatum, Anobi, Jalen Brown, Lowry, and Walker also see how the front court of the Raptors try to take advantage of the front court of the Celtics. In the last game of the day, we had the Utah Jazz taking on the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets moved Monte Morris and Jeremy Grant into the starting lineup in place of Michael Porter Jr. and Torrey Craig as they looked to increase their perimeter defense and overall court speed. You know, this allowed Denver to keep the Jazz from generating so many open looks from the three-point range early in the game. But the Jazz, led by the example of Donovan Mitchell, took advantage of the opportunity and attacked the basket with aggression, which got them to the free throw line very, very often. They thrived there, which stuck in the craw of Malone and the Nuggets. The Jazz were sort of the best in this game when they read the defense and took what was given to them. The problem is is that the Nuggets' defense is not outstanding and they're not able to shut down every aspect of the game. The Jazz were able to stay patient and keep playing to whatever opportunity presented itself each possession rebounding 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 it's been talked about endless during this series and something i talked about in the preview of a few of these games and series as a whole the nuggets controlled the glass in this game generating 29 second chance points from their offensive rebounds you know sometimes they were able to get multiple offensive rebounds in a single possession to give them multiple opportunities to score this allowed them to keep the game close. The jazz really have to put a focus on that side of the game and clean it up if they want to in this game in game five in this series in game five I'm sorry, another thing that the jazz are gonna have to look at from this game is that Joe Ingles took only four shots and had only one assist. You know, while the defensive coverage from Denver was changed from the previous three games in this game, the Jazz have to find a way to get him involved more on the offensive side of the floor without Bogdanovich in the lineup. You know, in the first half of Game 4, the Jazz defense just did not look like it was ready for what the Nuggets were running. And it's not that the Nuggets were running anything spectacular or hard to defend. But there just was too many moments where there was unnecessary overhelp and fouling from the Jazz. You know, those defensive laps serve as momentum builders for the Nuggets as they try to get back on track and get themselves back in this series. You know, seeing the ball go through the hoop for the Nuggets really boosts their confidence, and they were able to find a lot of open lanes through the Jazz's defense through the night. And eventually, they built a rhythm that was hard to knock off. Maybe the Nuggets can take the confidence that they gained in game four and carry that over to game five as they look to get that game and move the series to 3 2 and give themselves a chance to win another two in a row to win the series and advance to the semifinals. You know, it's going to be important for the Jazz in game five to break that confidence early with a lot of pressure defensively. And that wraps it up for this episode of the Back em Down podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to become a monthly contributor to the Back em Down podcast, please click the link at the bottom of the show notes. Hope everyone has a joyful Monday and gets a great start to their week. Enjoy basketball that's going to be on throughout the day. And I hope to have you back for the next episode of the Back Em Down podcast. Take care.